Chapter Fifty One of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Andrea. The doctor remained thoughtful, then said to himself, "There are other difficulties here besides those I can contend with by science." He bathed again the temples of his patient, who for the time began to grow calmer. All at once the doctor heard the rustling of a dress outside. "'Can it be the queen returned?' thought he, and opening the door softly he saw before him the motionless figure of a woman, looking like a statue of despair. It was almost dark. He advanced suddenly along the corridor to the place where the figure was standing. On seeing him she uttered a cry. "'Who is there?' asked Dr. Louis. "'I, doctor,' replied a sweet and sorrowful voice, a voice that he knew but could not immediately recognize. "'I, Andrea de Tavernay,' continued she. "'Ah, oh, mon Dieu! What is the matter?' cried the doctor. "'Is she ill?' "'She? Who?' The doctor felt that he had committed an imprudence— "'Excuse me, but I saw a lady going away just now. Perhaps it was you.' "'Oh, yes. There has been a lady here before me. Has there not?' asked Andrea in a tone of emotion. "'My dear child,' replied the doctor, "'of whom do you speak? What do you want to know?' "'Doctor,' answered Andrea in a sorrowful voice, you always speak the truth. Do not deceive me now. I am sure there was a woman here before me. Doubtless. Why should I deceive you? Madame de Misery was here. It was Madame de Misery who came? Certainly. What makes you doubt? What inexplicable beings women are? Dear doctor. Well... But to the point, is she worse? Who? Pardieu, the queen. The queen? Yes, the queen for whom Madame de Misery came to fetch me, and who is troubled with her palpitations. If you come from her, tell me, and we will go back together. No, doctor, I do not come from the queen, and was even ignorant that she was suffering. But— "'Pardon me, doctor. I scarcely know what I am saying.' In fact, she seemed on the point of fainting. The doctor supported her. She rallied by a strong effort. "'Doctor,' she said, "'you know I am nervous in the dark. I lost my way in these intricate passages, and have grown frightened and foolish.' "'And why the devil should you be wandering about these dark passages, since you came for nothing?' I did not say I came for nothing, only that no one sent me. Well, if you have anything to say to me, come away from here, for I am tired of standing. Oh, I shall not be ten minutes. Can anyone hear us? No one. Not even your patient in there? Oh, no fear of his hearing anything. Andrea clasped her hands. Oh, mon Dieu, she cried. 
he is then very ill indeed he is not well but tell me quickly what brings you here for i cannot wait well doctor we have spoken of it i came to ask after him dr louis received this confession with a solemn silence which andrea took for a reproach you may excuse this step doctor she said as he was wounded in a duel with my brother your brother i was ignorant of that but now that you know it you understand why i inquire after him oh certainly my child said the good doctor enchanted to find an excuse for being indulgent i could not know this a duel between two gentlemen is a thing of everyday occurrence doctor certainly the only thing that could make it of importance would be that they have fought about a lady about a lady about yourself for example andreas sighed oh doctor they did not fight about me then said the doctor is it your brother that has sent you for news of monsieur de charny oh yes my brother doctor dr louis looked at her scrutinizingly i will find out the truth thought he then he said well i will tell you the truth that your brother may make his arrangements accordingly you understand no doctor why a duel is never a very agreeable thing to the king and if it makes a scandal he often banishes or imprisons the actors but when death ensues he is always inflexible therefore counsel your brother to hide for a time then cried andrea monsieur de charny is dangerously ill my dear young lady if he is not out of danger by this time to-morrow if before that time i cannot quell the fever that devours him monsieur de charny is a dead man andrea bit her lips till the blood came and clenched her hands till the nails stuck into the flesh to stifle the cry that was ready to burst from her having conquered herself she said my brother will not fly he wounded monsieur de charny in a fair fight and if he has killed him he will take his chance the doctor was deceived she did not come on her own account he thought how does the queen take it he asked the queen i know not what is it to her but she likes your brother well he is safe and perhaps she will defend him if he is accused and mademoiselle you have learned what you wished let your brother fly or not as he pleases that is your affair mine is to do the best to-night for the wounded man without which death will infallibly carry him off adieu andrea fled back to her room locked herself in and falling on her knees by the side of her bed my god cried she with a torrent of burning tears 
you will not leave this young man to die who has done no wrong and who is so loved in this world oh save him that i may see a god of mercy and not of vengeance her strength gave way and she fell senseless on the floor when her senses returned to her her first muttered words were i love him oh i love him end of chapter fifty one recording by john van stan savannah georgia